Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Dr. Michael Youssef. Let us all pray. Father God, in the name of the precious Son, Jesus, your Son, we come to you, trusting you, believing you, that even though you have not promised to keep us from the valley of shadow of death, but you promised that you'll walk in it with us. And so we thank you for that. Father, I pray for every trembling heart. I pray for every troubled heart. I pray that the peace of God that passes understanding will fill their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that we would not waste this crisis by just waiting for it to be over, but that we learn what you have for us in the crisis so that we may grow in Christ and we grow in the knowledge of Christ. Father, help us to reach out to the lost and to remind them that our God is a God of power and might and that He's a God in control and that He will use whatever crisis that we're in to bring glory to Himself and bless His children. Father, thank you that our eyes are on Jesus because we know this is not our eternal home and we're heading home. I pray that as we travel in as sojourners in this life, that we would walk with you, trust in you, work for you, but then our eyes are on our eternal home. Help us to focus on you in these difficult days. For we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, celebrating more than 30 years of ministry, proclaiming the gospel, discipling believers, and helping those suffering for their faith in difficult parts of the world. We've all seen small, unwise decisions of today lead to bigger and more destructive decisions and lifestyles tomorrow. Next on Leading the Way, a biblical example of how small steps of disobedience lead to destruction. It's a look at the life of Lot, Abraham's nephew, and how his journey is an example for you today. Here's Dr. Michael Youssef sharing a personal journey as he begins today's Leading the Way. It was about two years after I have committed my life to the Lord that I went through what theologians call backsliding experience. I really like the word backsliding because truly... If you're not going up, you're going down. It's that simple. There is no standing still in the Christian life. And I hate to say it, I had to learn it the very hard way, the very difficult way. But through that experience, God taught me a lot of things. Oh, yes, oh, oh, during that time, I kept going to church. But my heart was called toward God. My heart was called toward God's Word. My heart was called toward Christians. My heart was called toward spiritual walk of any type. And that is why I know there are many Christians backslide right in the pews in the church. And for a period of 18 months, I sought to do my own thing. I got angry with God when my mother died. And so I blamed God for all kinds of things. Oh, I've never despised God. No, I've never done that. But I had a cold love toward him. 
Some of you are going through that experience right now for whatever reason. Backsliding never happens overnight. It begins with taking baby steps. Slowly but surely, my body was going to the church, but my heart was far from the Lord. My heart was firmly established in the world. And eventually, of course, I was in the deep waters of the world. And that, of course, until my boat hit the rock. And I woke up at God's mourner's bench. Early in my life, the Lord taught me some very powerful lessons during my time in the wilderness. First, that all of us, every one of us, I don't care how much you claim to love God, every one of us is susceptible to the subtle temptation of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Every one of us. And the second lesson is this. That the temptation does not come at once. It is a constant thing. It is extremely slow. You see, I am convinced from the language of the scripture that the serpent did not come and tempt even Eve immediately fell for it. But it was day in and day out. Day in and day out. Look at this. And putting that shiny one in front of her face. And the third thing is this. Every true Christian... Every born-again believer, every person who is saved from eternal hell to eternal heaven, must be daily on their guard regarding the little bit of sin. Oh yes, there's so many little bit of sins that are respectable in our society that we don't take notice of them. Let me give you a warning. The little bit of sin does not stay a little bit of sin for very long. It's soon going to become a little bit of big sin. Lot was a man who began with a little bit of sin. And he ended up in a whole lot of trouble. He ended up in a whole lot of big sins. Lot was a man who began with taking baby steps towards sin. And he ended up swimming in it. I want you to listen carefully, please. Because Lot is an example of a Christian who became... Worldly is an example of a Christian who became half-hearted about his faith. A Christian who used all of the right words and yet rationalized covetousness as good. A Christian who puts Christian spin on a blatant sin. A Christian who is drunk with covetousness and yet claims the sobriety of serving God. Let me tell you a couple of things about Lot before I get to tell you more about where he was. Number one, he was Abraham's nephew. Abraham, that man of faith, the man that the Bible spoke of, that he looked forward to the day of Jesus 2,000 years before Christ. That man of faith who trusted God with all his heart, he had a nephew named Lot. He traveled with his uncle. They went to Egypt together. They wandered away from the Lord together and they came back together. And he saw the dealings of God in the life of his uncle and in his own life. And the second thing you need to know about Lot is that he took some baby steps toward greed and selfishness. And he ended up in a disaster. Please follow these steps with me closely. I'm going to show them to you from the scripture. 
I am not making them up. They are in chronological order and they are in the word of God. So the first step is this. The Bible said, Lot looked towards Sodom. Turn in your Bibles and mark in your Bibles. Genesis 13, 10. He looked toward Sodom. And Sodom, of course, has become to be a symbol of godlessness. Symbol of perversion. Symbol of all things that is worldly. With that understanding, I want you to concentrate with me. The first step was that he looked towards Sodom. Listen, Lot, obviously, a man who knew how to use sanctimonious dribble. He really did. And if he looked towards Sodom, but he didn't go in there, and as if to say, well, wait a minute, a a, a man like me would not live among these people. I I, I know better than this. I, I, I cannot be in that place. This is not a place for a believer to be. This is not a situation for a believer to be. I wouldn't go there. I just wouldn't settle there. I'm too classy for these people. Oh, but I'm just going to take a look. You know, I'm just going to take a peek. He probably said to himself, he said, you know, I won't stay for very long. I look from a distance. I will not be part of this. I, I will just look. I won't do anything wrong. I will keep my distance. I want to see what's going on. You know, once you look for too long, whatever it is you're looking at, and I'll leave you to figure that out. Once you look for too long, the second step is imminent, is absolutely imminent. And the second step, the Bible said, it was in Genesis 13, 12, that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Some of your translation says near Sodom. It's imminent. <laughs> I want to say, Lot, my buddy, why don't you just go into Sodom? Why don't you just go all the way? Why don't you make it easy on yourself and just move in? Oh, no, 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 brother Yusuf, don't you understand? I'm not going to be part of this culture. I mean, I want to live for the Lord. Here's the sanctimonious dribble, you know. Uh, Brother Yusuf, you don't understand. Sodom is a very wicked place. I'm a classy guy. I mean, Brother Yusuf, you don't understand. I know what the scripture said about being unequally yoked with unbelievers. I'm not going to do that. Oh, Brother Yusuf, look, I know. I know what the Bible said. And I want, I want to live there. Oh, you know, I, I don't want to be like them. I'm just going to be there on business. And I'm going to get out. The reason I know this is because the devil took me there. And let me tell you something else. That the moment you pitch your tent towards Sodom or near Sodom, there is 99.99% of a chance for you to be within the city in a very short period of time. Now, my beloved friends, I pray the Spirit of God will take those words, inadequate as they may be, and just translate them into your heart and print them onto your hearts. Because I believe genuinely this is a word from the Lord of a warning to some of you. I don't know who, but the Lord clearly made that clear to me in my prayer. And the warning is this, whatever fire you're playing with, whether it is that business deal that stinks up to high heaven, 
Whether it is that addiction to pornography, whether it's that addiction to alcoholism, whether it's that addiction to drugs, don't fool yourself by thinking that you only can get near Sodom but not stay there. Don't fool yourself by thinking that like the moth, you're going to fly close to the flame, but you're not going to get burned. For as surely as the devil is real, and it doesn't matter how long it takes, I can tell you that the third step will be living inside of Sodom. Look at step number three, Genesis fourteen twelve. Where do you find Lot? In the very heart of the city. Now the Bible doesn't tell us how he got there. The Bible doesn't tell us when the movers and the moving vans came in and shipped his furniture and took him inside from nearby to, to the city itself. The Bible does not tell us what an incredible real estate deal that he found in Sodom that made him move in there. The Bible doesn't tell us all of this. I believe with all my heart that the Bible is telling us that if and when you pitch your tent near Sodom, it is as good as moving into Sodom. And the fourth and the final step was that Lot become part of the furniture in Sodom. How do I know that? Genesis 19.1. Step number four. The Bible said he was sitting... At the gateway of Sodom. The gateway in the Bible, in the Old Testament particularly. Those who sit at the gateway. Not anybody can go and sit at the gateway. Only the city council members would sit at the gateway. Only the ruling elders can sit at the gateway. He gained such prominence in this, in this new place. He greased palms. He knew how to get along with people. He was a clever businessman. And before long, he was elected to the city council. That's where he's sitting, at the gate of Sodom. (laughs) Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that great? Isn't that good news now that God has his witness inside the wicked city? (laughs) What are you talking about, Michael? God has a missionary To this corrupt place. It's not good. What are you talking about? God has his man to lead others to himself. It's not good. Yeah, the problem is, Lot was nothing of a sort. I want to tell you something. Lot had already abandoned his high calling way before he got into Sodom. Someone once said, you know, it's a lot easier to make a buck than to make a difference. And I couldn't agree more. Christians are supposed to uphold the vision of swimming upstream of culture. Of swimming upstream of the pressure of the world. But so many Christians are floating downstream on a yacht. And when the chips are down, integrity and biblical principles will get sold, not the yacht. And when that happened, my beloved friends, let me tell you, as a warning from the Word of God, history tells us that it's just a matter of a short time before the yacht hits the rocks. The four steps probably took years to complete. There is no telling. I don't know, the scripture doesn't spell it out, but it's a period of time. Those four steps 
started with baby steps. Then they got accelerated. What's Lot's problem? Are you telling us that God's people can't live in the city of man? Please don't misunderstand me. That's not what I'm saying at all. Was it that Christians should not rise to a position of leadership in a secular culture, in a secular society? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. I want you to listen very carefully. The problem was inside Lot. The problem was Lot's heart. The problem was Lot's motives. The problem was Lot's real intentions. You see, Sodom was inside Lot way before Lot was inside Sodom. I want you to look at the conclusion. God is not looking for perfection. I'm the first one to say, but for the grace of God, there go I. But God is looking not for rationalization. He's looking for repentance. That's what God is looking for. He is looking for men and women who know how to confess and how to repent and how to turn. Don't think I'm preaching legalism. Not at all. I am preaching the grace of God. I get so overwhelmed by the grace of God, I can't talk sometimes. Because, but for His grace, I wouldn't be standing here. Lot, who has gone down this four steps, was offering his daughters to be raped by the homosexuals. And it is of goodness of God that the homosexuals refused to rape his daughters. How can he get rebuked as a believer by the non-believers? In fact, I can tell you right now, and you know it from the word of God, that if it was not for his uncle Abraham, up there in the mountains, interceding, crying his heart out, crying his eyes out to God, pleading with God, pleading mercy from God, absolutely Literally forcing God's hand, I don't mean that in a negative sense, in his intercession before God. If it wasn't for Uncle Abraham's intercession, Lot and his family would have been destroyed in Sodom. My friends, somebody's praying for you. Somebody's praying for you. Don't keep on tempting God. Don't keep on tempting God. But the Bible said that the angels, they literally had to yank him. And his wife and his daughters, they had to yank them. That's what the word really means. They had to yank them by the arms and get them out of there. And even when he got there, did not want to go to the mountains. He wanted to go to another little city. And he was bargaining with the angels. He said, man, I don't want to be up there when nobody knows me. I want to go there and do another business deal. Let me go to this little town. The angels said, get up to the mountains. And again, but for the intercession of his uncle, he said, okay. You go there because of the grace of God is going to be extended to you because of Abraham. Now, Christian, listen to me, please. You cannot escape the payments of your choices. It's not that you're going to lose your salvation. You know, I don't teach that. But you cannot escape the payments for your choices. Though the checks may be late in the mail, the payments will always get there. Christian, please listen. If you are not winning Sodom, And Sodom is winning you for God's sake, for your sake, for your family's sake. Get out. Christian, please listen. If your possessions are possessing you, for God's sake, for your sake, and for your family's sake, get out. Probably some of you are saying, 
Well, how do I know that I have pitched my tent towards Sodom? And I'm glad you asked because I'm anxious to tell you. There are four indicators. Write them down if you have a pen. Four indicators that will tell you that you have moved close to Sodom. Whatever Sodom is to you, because Sodom to you might not be Sodom to somebody else, might not be Sodom to me. Whatever Sodom to you is, you know it and God knows it. And you, in the secrecy between you and God, know what it is. Number one, you develop a preoccupation with possessions and things and accumulation. Not just a matter of having things. Don't misunderstand me, please. That's not what I'm saying. But being obsessed with them. This has nothing to do with how much you have. You could have a million, you could have a dollar. It makes no difference. The issue is not the amount. The issue is this. And it has everything to do with your attitude toward things. Second indicator. When you are worrying about your possessions, rather than managing them, your tent has been pitched close to Sodom. Third indicator, envying others or comparing yourself with others is a dangerous signal for you are pitching your tent Close to Sodom. Fourth indication. Ingratitude in your heart. First, ingratitude to God. Ingratitude to others. Focusing on what you don't have. When you have lost your joy in giving. All these are indicators that your tent has been pitched very close to Sodom. Get out before you get sucked in. May those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Well, something to consider. Are your decisions leading you towards destruction like Lot's did? This is Leading the Way with pastor and author, Dr. Michael Youssef. If you'd like to talk with someone about any questions you might have about Jesus, salvation, and living out the Christian life, go to ltw.org Jesus and fill out a quick form. As we close out today, let me mention some great free resources available to download from Leading the Way's resource store. First of all, here's how to get there. ltw.org. Look near the top and click on Store. Then you'll see a link on the left for free digital resources. When you go there, you'll be able to scroll through lots of great items that you can learn about and add to your cart and have downloaded in just a few clicks. The website again is ltw.org. Go to the store, then free digital resources. Oh, and you can always ask a ministry representative about available items when you call 1-300-133-589. They can help you with products, gifts, ongoing ministry support of Leading the Way and more. That number again is 1-300-133-589. And so that music reminds me that it's time to say goodbye. Do join us again next time, won't you, for another edition of Leading the Way. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef.
for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.